For our sermon text this morning, we'll use an alternate text uh, that's recorded in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Please stand as we read these, fo- these words as follows in Jesus' name. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. We pray. These words are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Every year on the ninth Sunday after Trinity, I always feel like I need to give a disclaimer. The ninth Sunday after Trinity is always Stewardship Sunday. It's been this way for at least 800 years. At least that's what all the lessons revolve around. And I feel like I need to make a disclaimer because I've noticed that in recent years, uh, the excuse that church is always asking for my money is one of the top reasons people give for not coming to church. Well, for a church that follows the historic lectionary like ours, the topic of stewardship should come up exactly once. And so I, I really pray that no one is able to say about the Lutheran Church that we're always asking for money. In fact, I, I think the, the Lutheran Church as a whole could probably benefit asking a bit more. But the lesson I want to use today, which is an alternate lesson, actually doesn't talk about the stewardship of money at all. Rather, a different type of stewardship. Stewardship of your time and your abilities. And we'll see that a correct balance of your time and your abilities not only benefits the the church, but you. So what is stewardship? Stewardship is managing faithfully whatever resources have been entrusted to you. Now, to be a steward, that means something doesn't actually belong to you. You are, you are temporarily managing it, like the manager in the parable in our gospel lesson that we had heard. Of course, all things belong to God, but God entrusts things to us to manage as stewards. And so what does God entrust us with? Well, one thing that God entrusts us with are our skills and our abilities. And I know for me personally that, that God has given me an eye for design and, and an appreciation for art and beauty, especially with regards to, to motion graphics. I know I don't have the skills, for instance, uh, to be good at sports or even to, to care about sports much of the time. But other people do. So God has given us, each of us, our talents and our interests and our abilities But there's something more important that God has also entrusted us with. And that's people. See, I also happen to be a father, a husband, a brother, a son, a friend, a Christian, a a pastor. 
In other words, I have various vocations. And I have responsibilities within each of these different vocations. And much of the time, my abilities and interests might not actually line up perfectly with my vocations. My appreciation of art and beauty doesn't come much in handy when I'm changing a dirty diaper. And that's okay. Sometimes I think that we can get up so caught up in what we want to do, and I think especially in our culture today, that we think that we're failing if we're not doing what we want or what we think that we are good at. And you see this today, especially with all the pressure that's put on kids in school and in sports. And what happens when we think that we're not going to get that sports scholarship or that job or that promotion that we want? We try harder, right? We try harder often at the expense of what God has actually called us to do. Now, that doesn't mean these things are bad. These things that we're striving for are bad. It just means that God has entrusted us with something that's more important. And we have one thing that tops all of the rest. The stewardship that God desires will have all these things in the proper order. And it not only has temporal consequences, but eternal ones. In our text, we have Jesus coming to the home of two sisters, Mary and Martha. And they have a vocation. You see, in ancient Israel, it was expected of, of the hosts, uh, the owners of a home, uh, if a teacher or rabbi or somebody important was going to come to their home, it was expected culturally that they would provide a nice meal, have the, 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 the home in the best condition possible for that person. And if they didn't do that, if they didn't provide that meal, it would be a shameful thing. And so it would seem the most important thing to do in that moment would be to prepare that meal. And so that's exactly what Martha does. But Jesus does something that's maybe a little surprising. He scolds her a little. And he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Now let me be very clear. What Martha was doing was not wrong. Preparing a meal is not wrong. Unless you're cooking with anchovies or something. <laughs> cooking is not a sin. And in fact, by the looks of it, Mary is the one who's in the wrong, who, who's sinning here. Because it looks like she's being lazy. She's sinning against the seventh commandment because she's stealing time. But in this case, Martha is the one in need of correction. You see, it has nothing to do with either of their actions. It's not a matter of deed. It's not as if what they're doing makes them right or wrong. It's not as if serving a meal is wrong. It's not. It's absolutely necessary. And on the other hand, it's not as if what Mary was doing, hearing the word of God, or, or in our case, coming to church, is if that's a thing that we do which makes us right and therefore good. It's not the actions, but the faith 
or the lack of faith behind them. Listen again to what Martha says. She approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. For Martha, whose fault is it? It's God's. She's angry at God for placing this situation upon her. And she's worried and angry because she feels as if she's been left to do it all alone. And what's more, she's doing it for God. And surely there's nothing more important than serving God. And she believes that the solution for her rest and her nourishment can only be found in her work. She's got to try harder. Everything depends on her. A few weeks ago, we were driving up to LYA, the Lutheran Youth Association Convention. Not a lot of things uh, on my mind and a lot of things on my plate that week and things to worry about. And if I knew if I, if I could just get it all done, well, then I could relax. And so I was even writing my, my homily in the car ride on the way up there. And I had to preach later in the day. That's not something I normally do. And so I was in the pastor's seat, writing, uh, trying to write my homily based on this very text from, from Luke about Mary and Martha. But as I was trying to write my homily, Corin was in the back seat and he was being very needy. So every couple of minutes I had to turn around and give him something. Give him raisins, give him milk, give him shade, give him entertainment, something. And I was actually getting kind of angry. God, why? I can't believe that you're making me have to serve my son when I've got this homily to write. And then I realized what was going on. We all, even pastors, can be worried and troubled Marthas, even as we sit at the feet of Jesus. So what worries did you bring here today? Are you worried about your future, your career, your college plans, making sure you do the right things? Are you worried about your financial situation? Are you worried about all the things that you've got to do, all those good things that are fighting for your time when you are already stretched so thin? So what do you do? Well, it would be easy to say, well, well just be more like Mary, right? You should devote more time, you should devote more hours of your week to reading your Bible. You should make sure you're praying to God for at least 20 minutes a day. You should listen to a Lutheran Bible study podcast and make sure you're not doing it while you're distracted. Now, all these things are great things. But how much study, how much reading, how much prayer would ever be enough? See, we can't just hold up and live at church. Because God has also placed real people in your path to serve. You have to live in the world. You have to go about your daily work, your daily vocations. And that means that there will be worry. To serve the people God has placed in your path means there will be worry because it's work. And work since the fall into sin is, is frustrating and difficult. But those same things and people that you're worried about serving, God loves them more. And God is more concerned about them than you are. 
And look at what Jesus, in his love for Martha, says to her. He doesn't tell her to stop serving. He doesn't tell her to stop working, to stop preparing. He doesn't even tell her to stop being anxious or worried. He admits that there are many things she is worried about. He empathizes with her. He admits that there are many things she is worried about, but that there is one thing that is needed. He admits that her serving the portion, the meal, is good. But that Mary has chosen the portion that is really necessary. Jesus is the bread of life. The one of those whom will, of those whom will eat will never again be hungry. And Jesus invites her to come to him, to sit at his feet for rest. For Martha, who is wearied and burdened, Jesus is the rest she really needs. He is the one thing needful. And that's what Jesus says to us, too. He doesn't tell us to stop cooking, to stop working, to stop improving our skills. He doesn't tell us to stop studying or to stop playing sports. Rather, over and above all these different things, he invites us to come to him. Because only in him is the rest that we really need. The rest that we need to actually go and do all these other worthwhile things. And it's in Jesus because Jesus did those things too. Jesus also had vocations. Jesus also had to work. In fact, as Jesus was talking with Martha, he was on his way to Jerusalem to fulfill his vocation to do the perfect and final work for the entire world, to die on the cross, to justify Martha and make her work pleasing to God through faith, to justify Mary, to fulfill his word and grant eternal life through it, to justify you and me, who are Mary's and Martha's at various times in our lives. The stewardship that God desires is where we manage our time and abilities, always keeping in mind that one thing needful. So no matter if you are sitting or serving, remember where your true rest is found. And if you worry because of all the things you've got to do, my prayer is for you that you find your rest and comfort not in your work, but in God's work for you, in his word, in his body and blood, in Jesus, the one thing needful. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.